the Israelites go to war against the Philistines. In the Battle of Eben Ha'ezer in what's now Rosh Ha'ayin, the Philistines strike the Israelites a heavy blow. Thousands of soldiers are killed, and the Israelite army is in trouble. Some suggest using the doomsday weapon, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark is brought to the battlefield. The Israelite camp cheers, and the Philistines, they shake with fear. But to the surprise of both sides, the Philistines win the battle once again. And it doesn't end there. The venerated sacred Ark is captured by the enemy. Hi, I'm Mackenzie Gans, founder of EncourageEverybody.com, a paper goods and gifts brand in Northeast Ohio. Thanks for listening to the Encouragers United podcast. In the Old Testament of the Bible, the Ark of the Covenant was a wooden chest overlaid with gold. It was about four feet long, two feet wide, and two feet high. Its cover was made of pure gold with two cherubim, angels, hammered out of gold on the top of it. The Ark contained the, a gold jar of manna, a food that the Israelites ate. It had Aaron's staff, and it had the stone tablets that contained the Ten Commandments inside. But the Ark was more than just a chest. The Ark was the visible symbol of God's presence among the Israelite people. So when the Israelites lost the Ark in battle, as we're going to read today, it was as if they had lost God himself. And today I want to look at what happened when that enemy people, the Philistines, brought that Ark back to their own land. It's quite a remarkable story. May we all be inspired today with this episode of the Encouragers United Podcast. Listen to the words from the book in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. When the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face down on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. But when they rose early on the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face down on the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying broken on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. Did you know that God can take care of himself just fine? I wish we really would remember that as Christians. Today we see that being a person of deep faith in our culture with an authentic faith that's real, it's really difficult. We do know that God is God and that he can take care of himself, but we don't always act as if we know it and believe it. 
And this text here takes a look at the Ark of the Covenant and its stay in the land of the Philistines. And it demonstrates pretty clearly the fact that God doesn't need you or me to take care of him. God can take care of himself just fine. So let's look at some biblical principles that we can find illustrated in this text. Number one, I might add or say to you is that God is never surprised by the circumstances. You know, we may be, but God is never surprised. And as you can imagine, the Israelites were shocked by the capture of their ark, right? Poor Eli fell backwards off his chair and he, he died when he heard the news. But none of this surprised God. And when the Philistines captured that ark, they didn't catch God off guard either. God not only knew that the Philistines would capture that ark in the battle, God actually allowed them to do so. And I'm thinking this was all part of God's plan to discipline and teach the Israelites and to demonstrate his power and his glory to the Philistines all in one fell swoop. It looked like God's people had lost and that God's enemy had won, but that was never the case. This is so important for us to remember at any time that we face a setback in our life. God is always in control. He's the Lord of all the earth, and he's never surprised by the circumstances. You know, another point is that God is never limited by geography. Right after the Philistines captured the ark, they proudly brought it back into their home territory, right? At first, they brought it from the Israelites' camp in Ebenezer to the city called Ashdod. Ashdod was a coastal city about three miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea. And it was also one of five major cities that the Philistines lived in. The Philistines probably felt pretty confident now that they had Israel's God in their home turf, right? But God is Lord of all the earth, not just the Israelites' land, and therefore he's never limited by the geography. You never can get a home court advantage on God, right? Because the whole earth belongs to him anyway. Now, it took some time for the Philistines to actually figure this all out, right? This is an important principle for us to grasp, too. Most of the false gods and the idols throughout all of history were tribal gods or national gods who were tied to a certain location. Dagon is no different, but not the one true God that you and I believe in, right? The one true God is not limited to a certain time or a place. He's not limited to a building or a specific denomination or even a specific country. The good news of Jesus is for all the world. It's for all people even for those places that are hostile to Christianity right now. And so we should not be afraid to talk about Jesus everywhere we go. And sure, it's safe to talk about Jesus at our church, or maybe, you know, talking about it at work or school is a little bit more difficult or in our neighborhoods. But we should be bringing the gospel to the tribes and the peoples of the world, no matter where we are. We should be stepping out of our comfort zones unafraid to enter the enemy's territory, so to speak. Why? Because God is the Lord of all the earth, and he's never, ever limited by our geography. Another great principle that I want to point out here is that God is never threatened by the competition. 
right? God isn't threatened by being set up next to another God. When the Philistines first brought the ark to their city, Ashdod, and put it in the temple, they put it in the temple of their God called Dagon. They thought that they had Israel's God beat, right? To capture an enemy's God was to conquer the people and conquer the God. So putting the ark in Dagon's temple was the sign of conquest. And to the Philistines, it meant that their God was superior to the God of Israel. And the statue of their God, Dagon, towered on his pedestal over this puny little ark. And now Israel's God would be forced to serve Dagon, the God of the great people, the Philistines. So who was this Dagon? Dagon was a pretty well-known God in the Old Testament times. Some considered him to be the father of Baal. That's another famous Canaanite God. He was worshipped in the Middle East long before the Philistines arrived, and he was still worshipped there in Ashdod as late as 50 BC. So the Philistines put the ark in the temple of their god, Dagon. But you know what? God is never threatened by the competition. And the idols of the world are nothing to him. I love the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4. It says, We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. God wasn't scared when the ark was put into the temple of Dagon. God is the Lord of all the earth, and he's never limited by geography, and he's never threatened by the competition. So now armed with these principles in mind, how do you think we should respond? Well, one thing that I want to remind us of is that God would never need us to protect him or defend him or to watch over him. When we say that God is not served by human hands, what we mean is that first and foremost, God doesn't need us to watch over him. When the ark was captured, I'm sure the Israelites wondered and they were anxious, Who, what's going to happen to the ark? Who would tend to the temple you know, who's going to light the candles? I hope they don't break it. You know, God wasn't worried about any of that. God is the one who watches over us, right? He's the one who gives us our life and our breath and everything we have. And God is never served by human hands. And God doesn't need us to watch over him. The Philistines put the ark of God in their temple and deep inside that Philistine territory. Ooh, scary business, right? What's going to happen to the ark? Well, what happened? The very first morning when the Philistines got up, there was Dagon falling right on his face on the ground before the ark. The expression on his face must have been an expression of worship, right? Dagon was actually bowing down in worship before the God of the Israelites. He was doing time on his knees. And I love what it says next in verse 3. It says, they took Dagon and put him back in his place. Isn't that great? Not only is their God face down in worship before the real God, they actually have to lift him up and put him back on his place. In other words, they needed to serve Dagon, their God. But our God can take care of himself. Dagon is helpless. He's on the floor on his face and he needs some help to get back up on his pedestal. So the ark is all alone, deep inside enemy territory, but God is doing just fine. He doesn't need any backup. He doesn't need Israel to launch a search and rescue mission to try to bring the ark back. 
God's going to bring the ark back to Israel himself when he's good and ready. God doesn't need us to protect him either. God is not dependent on any person. He's completely different from any pagan god or idol who needs to accept sacrifices from the people to give them energy or to give them existence. Not our God. God is not served by humans. He does not need to be protected or set up by us. I want you to remember that sometimes when we see someone railing against God or criticizing Christianity or our faith, whether that's at the office or on TV or in a newspaper or a magazine, we can sometimes get so bent out of shape when people attack God. But really, you don't need to worry. Sure, we can speak up. We can stand up for our faith. I would encourage you to tell your testimony of how your relationship to God has enriched and changed your life. You can say a good word about, about God anytime that you can, of course, but you don't ever need to feel like God needs you to defend him. You know, one last principle I want you to, to remember here today is that God is the ultimate judge of the entire world. I would like to look at this from this passage that, that God will judge the world. God allowed the Philistines to capture that ark and in order to discipline the Israelites to make a point. But when the Philistines acted as though they had captured the ark because Dagon was so superior, God brought swift and painful judgment upon them. If they had only opened that ark and started to read the Ten Commandments written on the stones that were actually inside it, they would have read the very first one. Do you know what it is? In Exodus 20, verse 3, we read, You shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment. God's not going to share his glory with another god. It's interesting that the ark here is no longer called the ark of God. But in the text, it says the ark of the Lord, which really literally in their language meant the ark of Yahweh. And the Philistines set themselves up with a confrontation here between Dagon and Yahweh. And we witnessed a Yahweh versus Dagon smackdown, didn't we? We already saw how the first morning they found Dagon stretched out on the floor before the ark as if to be worshiping God. They picked him up and they put him back in his place. Obviously, he couldn't do it himself. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon falling on his face again on the ground before the ark of the Lord, but his head and his hands had been broken off and they were lying on the threshold of the door. Only his body remained. And so it happened the next day the same way. God was showing the Philistines very clearly that what had happened was no coincidence the day before. It was no accident. And even worse, this time Dagon's head and his hands were broken off when he fell before the ark. The cutting off of the hands and the head was kind of a symbolic gesture back then. It was really to take both the wisdom and the action of a god and completely eliminate it. The head, you see, represented the wisdom of Dagon. And the hands represented the actions of Dagon. And God sent a pretty clear message that day, didn't he? Dagon is really no God at all. And he has no wisdom and no action for anyone in this universe. And he was truly no match for the one true God. 
Verse 5 says that that is why to this day neither the priests of Dagon nor any others who enter Dagon's temple at Ashdod step on the threshold. For the rest of their days, every single time the Philistines stepped over that threshold, they were reminded that the one true God, Yahweh, defeated their God, Dagon. And God judged Dagon, but he's going to judge all of the other false idols in the world too. And that includes the many things that sometimes we put before God in our own lives. We try to bring God into uh, the presence of our idols sometimes, and God's going to judge them for just what they are, false, worthless idols inside our hearts. And they really have no power and they don't hold a candle to God himself. So friend, I hope this has encouraged you today. This great kind of comical story from the Old Testament reminds us of some of the powerful principles that we need to live by. Remember, God's never surprised by our circumstances. He's never limited by location or geography. He's never threatened by competition. He certainly doesn't need you and me to defend him. And someday he's going to judge the whole world with all of its idols. Let's be true and faithful to our relationship to God today. Let's clean out all the things that would stand in between you and him. If you have anything that's an idol in your life today, ask God to remove it to help you realize how worthless and empty it really is. God bless you as you seek to live a life that's worthy of the calling that you have. Go make it a great day today. Hi, I'm Heather Erb, and I host the Shine FM MomCast. It's specifically for moms. Couldn't we all just use a little extra bit of encouragement, maybe a little tidbit of wisdom, or just a different perspective on how moms are doing things these days? Definitely encourage you to check out the MomCast. You can search for us on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere where you listen to your podcast. Just search for Shine.FM Podcasts. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Encouragers United podcast with Charles R. Grimes. For more information and to connect with optimistic, enthusiastic leaders all over the world, be sure to search for Encouragers United on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, or visit our website, charlesrgrimes.com.